Hello and welcome to the Story X Story podcast, where we discuss stories across pop culture, plus give you advice on creating your own. It's episode number 69, and I am your co-host, Nigel. I am Tazzy, content creator and co-host. And we're back with a roundtable episode. It's E3, or will be E3 soon, so we've rounded up a bunch of people from across the gaming industry, from across the world today, to talk about the upcoming e3 game show everyone's new here so we're gonna have to meet some new people so first of all we have esports commentator and host john pritchard also known as john p john welcome to the show hi i'm uh, excited to be here i'm glad to be here um uh, it's been a while since i've done something like this with a podcast i'm used to you know the camera being on me and not just my voice being heard so a little <laughs> bit more of a relaxed environment for me so i'm not gonna uh I'm gonna, not going to complain. I'm looking forward to, you know, meeting a load of new people this evening and uh, really, you know, hearing what other people's opinions are on some of the games coming out and, you know, maybe their own opinions on esports and, and learning about what they do within the industry. Yeah, I think we have to learn a bit more about esports. We can stand to do that for ourselves. So, yeah, we'll pick your brain over this episode. <laughs> Staying in the esports family, we have uh, gaming and esports host and founder of Geek Game Tight, Red Infamy. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much. Yeah, clear, clear across the world. <laughs> I'm happy to be in your presence. Uh, it's an honor and pleasure. And yeah, can't wait to expand on E3 uh, esports, just like what John P was saying. I want to pick his brain too <laughs> on some <laughs> topics at hand. But um, I'm just excited uh, for this E3. I'm happy that uh, the ESA put it back up and can't wait to talk about some topics today. Nice. Yeah, our net goes wide, so we just cast that. We just throw it out on the globe, and <laughs> whoever gets caught up in it uh, ends up on the show. That's how it works here. And we kind of got an esports thing going here, so let me introduce esports host and caster, also 3D artist, Veracity, also known as Jasmine Kanuga. Jasmine, welcome. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, likewise, uh, I'm looking forward to speaking to all of you and picking you guys' brains as well. So, Esports team roundup. Hey. <laughs> All right. So as always, you can subscribe to Story X Story on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, pretty much wherever you get your podcast from. You can also send us your feedback and questions to feedback at myamada.com in our Discord or shout us on social media. We are at myamada on Twitter, at myamada TV on Instagram, or at Tazzy on both. Like I said, we're going to get into some E3 news. Uh, as we usually do on the show, we're going to get started with what's happening in the Mayamada universe. So for June, we have a few Studio 77 activities coming. So this week, in fact, the very day this episode is out, we have an interview with the French indie game studio Lightbulb Crew, who are the makers of the horror-themed tactical turn-based game Other Side. So that's going to be on Thursday, the 10th of June from 7 p.m. BST. Uh, and it's going to stick around on uh, Twitch after we do the interview for a couple of weeks. And then if you are a Studio 77 member, you'll get access, video, access to that video uh, beyond those 14 days through the GamePad website. We're going to be playing more games this month. Uh, so our games night game for June is Rocket League. Is Rocket League right, Tazzy? 
Uh, yeah, that's the game we decided to torture ourselves over this month. Yes, we have decided. Well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, torture ourselves or torture the people who watch us play <laughs> very badly at, <laughs> at these games. Uh, so Rocket League, you would have seen at past Gamepad online events. You would have seen people play it well. We're going to play it not so well, but it will be fun. <laughs> um, so one of the things I learned about Rocket League is it's one of those games that looks like easy to... Uh, just pick up and play and it is but uh, there's actually a lot of nuance to it to be actually good so we're going to see if we can pick up on some of that nuance uh, at the end of this month uh, i'm still working on getting the highlights up for our Fortnite games night because that was uh, that was an interesting experience <laughs> so uh, you were, you'll be able to see that along with highlights of our roblox games night which is now up on youtube and looking ahead to next month we have the next gamepad online event which is on saturday the 10th of july live on twitch possibly facebook we haven't uh, worked that bit out yet uh, so we're going to have highlights of the last event up on youtube before that event uh, takes place so you can kind of get an idea if you haven't been to a gamepad online event before how it all goes down so we're going to be bringing the Friendly Fire competition. We have a number of teams we'll be confirming and announcing in the coming weeks. We'll be playing Swim Sanity, Rocket League, Brawlhalla as well uh, for some prizes, some gift cards, and uh, a chance at some uh, MyMatter Gamepad winners medals. So we're going to have some friendly competition there. We've got a number of interviews coming up. So we've almost confirmed all the interviews. We've got people from the studio Splash Damage. We have uh, indie developer from France and someone in uh, media. So we're going to be talking games media. And then we've got one more uh, we need to confirm. So we're going to be announcing all those this week, probably by the time you listen to that, uh, listen to this episode of the podcast. And yeah, you'll be able to find out uh, what's happening, who you can listen to, and as always, hosted by Tazzy. So definitely check that out. It's free. Tickets are free. But if you have a ticket, we will be doing a giveaway. So we're going to be creating some new artwork for the event, printing it on canvas, and one lucky ticket holder will get that printed canvas, and we'll be putting out the high-res artwork uh, on our Discord community as well. So you'll be able to check that out and yeah see if you can win some exclusive Mayamada artwork so that's gamepad online those are our gaming updates now let's find out what everyone has been playing so this is the section of the podcast where we have a spoiler free discussion about what video games everyone has been playing so we'll start with our guests and we'll go ahead and start with john I've been, I feel bad because I sort of neglected a lot of the games and I have, you know, like my, my Steam library or my Origins library or whatever, and even on my consoles there, uh, because I've, I've been, you know, staying true to my esports roots and just really hardcore grinding out uh, a game called Valorant at the moment. Uh, do you want me to just give a quick brief description of what the game is? I'm not too sure. I mean, I'm, I'm sure the majority of viewers might know what it is, but it's, you know, a five versus five FPS game, very, very similar to a, a game such as CSGO. And I've been really, really enjoying that um, myself and one of my other guests, Jasmine. We play every day together and we've been trying to grind up the ranks. And let me tell you now, it's been a very stressful experience, but fun nevertheless. Um, also play a lot of Fortnite. Been playing a lot of Fortnite and then there's been a brand new season on that. And I've been really enjoying getting to terms with all the new sort of systems and mechanics that are within the game. And I've also got a game that I'm actually going to be looking forward to uh, playing called Sniper Ghost Warrior Contracts 2. 
Uh, I'm not too sure if any of you guys know that. I know, uh, I think Red this said... Is brand new to me. Yeah, I've never Red's, even heard of Red, it. I, I know Red, or one of our other guests, said that she, uh, I think, like, uh, her, her boyfriend or someone was playing the game, I think. Oh, yeah, and... he went out to San Diego to an event for it, and they were, like, sniping, teaching him how to snipe and yeah. play with some real guns. I'm a, I, I, I'm really good friends with their with their influencer manager Josh. So you know, shout out to Josh for hooking me up with a load of codes to give away. And I'm looking forward to playing that. I actually, I unfortunately missed the uh, test event, which was this weekend, and the reveal event because I was uh I was actually helping Jasmine renovate her house. So uh, way to go, Jazz. Well played. I appreciate I'm it. Sorry, <laughs> sorry, Josh. <laughs> you have the but, worst um, timing. <laughs> yeah, but uh, I'm looking forward to playing it because it's a game sort of that I've never really sort of played before, and uh, I'm a huge fan of like you know sniper type of games. So uh, I'm looking forward to getting my hands on it. Just a really like stupid question, but so I mentioned Fortnite, and that was literally the first time I had played Fortnite. So right. obviously know about it first time I played it, and I know Valorant is a I don't know if I'm going to offend anyone by saying this, but a similar type of game. How, how, how many people have I offended by? Uh, not. Too, I, I mean, I don't know. Uh, it, you're, you're right in the respect that if it's an FPS, uh, which is obviously a first-person yeah. shooter. Um, however, the whole mechanics and the mannerisms of the game are completely different. Uh, Valorant. Okay, that's what I wanted to ask. Like, what is yeah, the difference? Yeah. Just so, from someone who doesn't know uh, anything about them, what is the? Why would I pick one over the other? Well, basically, I mean, if you're if you're looking for a more slower paced uh strategical type of gameplay then i'd pick valorant because it's very similar to a game called csgo uh again which is another okay. five versus five fps game whereas fortnite is all about you know sort of just running and tearing around it's played at a very very fast pace the majority of the time and you're sort yeah, of always you're sort <laughs> of always in the action you can never really get a moment's rest in that game uh especially with the whole building mechanics with, that are built into the to the game itself there's so many people that are constantly evolving those mechanics and, and evolving the game itself it's so hard to keep up with i i know i've put many many hours into playing fortnite i'll take a break for a week and i come back and i'm like holy, like, holy damn i'm i'm trash at this game now you know like it's, it feels awful so yeah they're the two main differences and i would say if you want a more a more actual sort of veteran fps type of game then steer towards valorant if you want a game that's more sort of fast-paced action fun, then I would go for Fortnite. And I think that's why Fortnite appeals to so many kids as well, because it's just sort of so fast-paced and, oh, you know, yeah. really, Every really time crazy. I do a workshop session in a school and I mention that I work uh, with, with games it's like up. Fortnite <laughs> immediately, yeah. Yeah, they really do. yeah. <laughs> um, but, okay, that's cool. I, I, you say you mentioned CSGO, it was like uh, showing my age, but I was playing that when it was just Counter-Strike. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, 1.6, right, and stuff yeah. like that. So, right, cool. Yeah, so Jasmine, what about you? What have you been playing? Similar to John, I've been playing a lot of Valorant. Um, I'm quite a competitive person, though. So, for me, like working in esports, like playing Valorant, I'm very much a okay. We have to win this game. You could like we sometimes do like five v five customs. So that's literally where we'll get like. 10 people off my discord together and we'll all just play against each other and it's so much fun because you you know everyone's play style already so you can like easily counter and like know the positions that they're going to be hiding in and the way that they kind of play so like literally the whole time throughout the game everyone's like trash talking each other but as soon as like that game finishes everyone comes back together and we're just kind of like analyzing and laughing at everyone's stupid plays i think it's it's good fun i like it 
it has been a bit of a grind though. We keep losing Elo, thanks to John. So I don't, I don't know if that's true, but I'll let her get away with it. We've also been playing um, Sea of Thieves. Sea of Thieves has been good fun. So I'm still pretty new to it, but I must say the pirate life is quite the life for me. <laughs> um, we've just kind of been figuring out how to actually play it, but at the same time, like we're slowly getting the hang of it, but because it's like a four-player game, I feel like it limits us a lot because we can't really play with as many people as we would like, like from our friendship group. But I think it's like a good number of people because you have everyone kind of shouting over each other, running around, panicking on the ship because it's on fire and things like that. That's good. I'm yet to actually really dive into Sea of Thieves. I think I played it once when it first came out and then I have yet. I've not played it since. <laughs> we need to play. We need to get the squad together and we need to get some games going. You guys should, you guys should do that as like your next play night right you guys do like a community night or something right you said you're yeah, doing rocket league this list. week you should add it to this week. like trust me you guys will have such a blast playing it it's so fun <laughs> especially especially if you've got a load of friends that are like really that their personalities mesh really well and you guys can sort of be yourself around each other uh it's it's really yeah, really fun yeah. and also if you guys like to scream at each other as well definitely <laughs> get uh it, it does get the blood flowing and it gets the stress levels raised yeah i like sometimes we try and do like pirate voices the whole time <laughs> it's a bit That's of a struggle and then everyone starts like making fun of me for my like <laughs> poor pirate accent i'm like okay i'm trying oh that's a bit mean you're trying your best <laughs> exactly yeah so uh red infamy what about you what games have you been playing uh so recently i got a chance to play uh aerial knights never yield um, by Neil Jones, he go by the name Ariel Knight, a really dope black developer. Um, he was featured on uh, Nintendo's indie uh, showcase, and uh, it's a really dope runner. Um, it pays homage to his city of Detroit uh, and to his uncle. It's a really dope running side scroller game. So um, I'm trying to get a platinum in that. <laughs> I got ninety percent. I'm trying to get the plat uh, next. Um, I forgot to say this too. Uh, Knockout City, like speaking of of esports, I feel yes. like Knockout City is about to be that next esport. Like gym, just like how uh, Rocket League has been. It's like I was mentioning, it's an easy game to play, but like hard to master. And um, that's what Knockout City is. Like it has that charm of being easy to pick up and play, but hard to master, like like Fortnite. So um, I can't wait okay. to play more of it it's a game pretty much is dodgeball <laughs> it's dodgeball so you're running around yeah and you're able to like do these different tricks to curve the ball and knock out people you only got like two lives and you're trying to kind of make sure you don't get knocked out uh it's very team base oriented so, you know pass the ball like volleyball to kind of charge up the ball and knock someone out it's really fun like it's a really fun game and then I can't wait for the new Ratchet and Clank Rift Apart. So I've been playing and I streamed it. I'm going to stream again today, uh, Ratchet and Clank Into the Nexus. So uh, Into the Nexus actually takes place before Rift Apart. So I kind of wanted to get like some little insights before I play and cover it. But Ratchet and Clank is going to like, is one of the most anticipated games this year to be on PS5 as just a PS5 title. So um. 
Yeah, that's some of the games. Esports wise is the Knockout City. And then I cannot wait for Battlefield. So I always like play Hardline or Battlefield 4 here and there. So yeah, those those been my my games. Would you so recommend far. Knockout City for Gamepad Online? Because we do a yes. sports ish. Okay, yeah, yeah. sorry. I don't yeah. care to say anymore. It feels like a game that would fit. Definitely, yeah. I, I it's it's really fun. It's it's really it's a really fun game, but it can get very competitive. That's good. And uh one of the esports players I, I got to uh interview with the rest of my E for Life crew uh is Bugs, uh Bugsy. He used to play Fortnite. He actually competed and won like fifty grand in Fortnite. Uh he's like one of the number one players on Knockout City. He was like the first to go diamond. So I was like getting some tips and tricks from him. Oh, wow. But nice. yeah, definitely it'll be a really dope game for like a okay. play night for Gamepad for sure. That's EA, right? EA? Yeah. Yeah, okay. I need to make some contacts. Yeah, EA. In, mm-hmm. in All right. I'm going to add that to the list of uh, future games for Gamepad Online. Yeah, it's def- definitely a good one. Jumped on it last last week. I don't know. Yeah. Thank you. When it came out, when it came out, I jumped on it. <laughs> it's so much fun. Oh my God. Like, yes. even if you're not good at it, it's still so fun to play. And like, whoever thought of like, yeah, let's put dodgeball in a video game. <laughs> Kudos. Best thing. Genius. Yeah. They're kind of doing that sort of, you know, Nintendo will do a, or take a format, but then make it their own like Splatoon it's mm, kind yeah. of looks like it's doing that thing it's taking a format like, it feels like that yeah yeah making it sort of their own yeah i jumped on a bit of knockout city there's there's one cool thing i like about it you can like turn one of your your teammates into a ball well they can turn yes. themselves into a ball and you can throw them as a ball it's a lot of fun there's just all these little things in it yeah I have been playing Dragon Quest Builders 2. Oh my god, I'm obsessed. I'm actually obsessed. Um, <laughs> and it's like, I didn't know... I'd never even heard of this game, to be honest. I'd heard of like the mainline Dragon Quest games. Never really played them. But yeah, this was just, just on Game Pass. And I was like, yeah, why not? Started it, wasn't sure what it was gonna be and then i was like oh my god i cannot put this down it's just so satisfying it's so adorable as well and you get all these tasks and there's just like you're just thanked so much for doing everything and i'm like i need this it's affirming maybe game. we would have downloaded <laughs> yeah like, i need this appreciation <laughs> um yeah but it's a lot of fun it's like i don't know the best way i can describe it is a bit like um minecraft but but with like an actual purpose like Mm -hmm. there's an end goal and like it just has all these little bits from game different games that i like partly enjoy but don't want to focus on them so you're building up your own little town and i love that and then like you've got to build different rooms that have different functions and then when you build them a toilet they're so happy because now they can go toilet and every time (laughs) they go toilet they're like here's a heart (laughs) and you're like okay it is the use bath um but yeah it's a lot of fun um i actually have a video coming out on it at some point so yeah feel free to check that out nigel what about yourself Uh, so i've actually not been playing as much as i thought i would be this past week so i'm gonna go back to two games i'm in the process uh, of playing one is shadow of the tomb raider which i've mentioned i'm pretty sure i've mentioned before um but i've managed to progress a little bit since i last spoke about it and i've kind of 
I said that I'm surprised how much I like this game, but then that kind of sounds like a backhanded compliment because it's Tomb Raider. And um, oh, this is the third of the new trilogy. I played the first, completely missed the second, and came back to the third because it was free, so why not? <laughs> and started playing it, and like, you know when you're like, I... Ah, you know what it is? I think because it was free. <laughs> I don't know. This is like a pricing <laughs> psychology thing here. I'm just figuring out. Because it was free, I was like, yeah, of course, I'll just get it. Not having many expectations and be like, oh, wow, you know what? This is a really good game. They should charge money for this. But yeah, so it's um, Slavacroft, it's Tomb Raider, you get the idea. But what's really cool about this is the exploration. And I'm finding I'm actually almost more into the exploration of the game than the combat at least so far. Not to say that there's anything necessarily wrong with the combat, but if you've played, you know, uh, Tomb Raider Uncharted, is is that kind of uh, mechanic. Uh, so you've kind of seen it before, but the puzzles are really cool. The way they are just integrated into the environment and it's very, it uh, feels very natural. So you're like physically moving things around. Uh, the way they uh, integrate the sound. So when you do something right, there's like the subtle changes in the audio, in the music that's playing. It's just very, yeah, satisfying. Frustrating at times. Um, and I would admit <laughs> I've had to consult uh, an FAQ on two occasions, but uh, really enjoying that side of it. However, there is one issue that I can't quite let go. There's a character. This is a, a mini rant. There's a character in it. You, uh, I think Lara's best friend, Jonah, so you start like, the game with him and you're, you know, in these environments. I got attacked by a Jaguar, not once, but twice. And two times, Jonah is MIA. And the second time, <laughs> he's, he gets trapped behind some, I think we're trying to lift some gate or something. And he gets trapped on the other side. And I'm in this opening with a Jaguar. I have to fight a Jaguar by myself while this guy is just stuck behind some environment. So the AI is a little janky. No, I think it was by design, but I'm not letting him off with that. Because oh, afterwards, so after know. I take down a Jaguar, and I think I earned the respect of the other Jaguar, so it let me go. <laughs> after that, this guy comes and tries to rub, like, lotion on my back. I'm like, oh, my no. God. <laughs> this is, this is it's too late. It's too late. You should have been there when I was fighting two Jaguars. Anyway, I'm over it a little bit. Uh, Jonah letting you down there. I'm disappointed, the Jonah. <laughs> really disappointed. I mean, he has he's killed a few people since then, but I can't I can't let those jaguars go. Anyway, what are we did talking you, about? Uh, did you like it right? better than than Rise? So I didn't play Rise. Rise. That's that's the okay. one I I missed. So this okay. is my first interaction with Jonah, and yeah, he just let me down on this on this jaguar <laughs> thing. So sorry, sorry, Jonah. Anyway, that is what that's one of the things I've been playing. <laughs> uh, and the other is uh, Little Nightmares. Uh, which is a game uh, that Tazzy mentioned on our wow. very last mm -hmm. episode of last season's podcast. And I managed to make a start on eventually. Um, so, yeah, it's really cool. It's a game that just puts you in it and there is no dialogue, which I quite like. It's quite intriguing. So it's a it's not a scary game, but it's oh, in me? a scary setting. Excuse me? We clearly play different games. <laughs> <laughs> okay, it's not a scary game to me yet. I can see it's a scary setting. <laughs> I have different tolerance, uh, I guess. <laughs> so, because you're kind of, I'm not quite sure where I am, but it's clearly a place I 
to be locked in or I was locked into and I'm trying to escape. That's the impression I'm getting. Uh, and it's pretty cool the way they, they kind of tell the story without dialogue and with the environment. So things moving around in the dark, things shuffling across, uh, someone sort of dropped food before me behind, um, behind some like, yeah, some bars, like I was in prison or something like that. Uh, this is sounding really random if you haven't played the game. Hopefully Tazzy gets what, <laughs> gets what I'm saying. But yeah, it's an interesting game that tells a story without using any words. So making my way through that. I want to play it again now you're talking about it. I've never played it. Play yeah, it. It's so good. I remember how long has the game been out? I think I think I remember I remember That's playing it. I, I remember playing it briefly. I think it was at like an, an insomnia or something like that, like I sixty one or I six yeah. or something like that. And that was like three or four years ago. And it, like I didn't even know that yeah, game was still a thing. And I've still not I've still not played it though. Yeah, I've still not played it. I remember, I remember sitting and watching it. I remember sitting and playing it. Sorry, like you know how you have like the booths at these conventions, right? That like, you can try games out. Wait, and I was no, like, I don't. I can't remember. Everyone's having PTSD and everything. <laughs> no, yeah. So I remember, I remember, I remember playing it, and I was like, oh, do you know what? I need to. I have this habit of being that person that says I'm going to play a game, and then I just don't play it. And oh yeah, um, my Steam yeah. library says it all. Yeah, like literally, I've got, I, I've got about two hundred and fifty odd games on Steam, and I and I've literally oh, played wow. like I've played like four of them. But the crazy thing was, I, I was blessed, right? That anyone anyone in my position who does esports work, we, we obviously work with a lot of game developing companies, right? Because yeah. we work on their games. I, I did an event with um, Sega, right? Everyone knows Sega is it's one of the OGs in terms of game yes. development, right? They gave me the, their whole history of Sega catalog that they had wow. digitally. What? It was literally insane. Like, and I've I've not even played any of the games <laughs> because I've just not had time to. What so do you mean? I would be geeking out so much. Like, if you if you go on my Steam, it's literally just like hundreds and hundreds of games that aren't even installed on my PC. Okay. You're a hundred percent game sharing me after this. Yeah, <laughs> you guys are literally hacking into my internet to get my yeah, no, right you're, you're the guy to go to that that game there it sounds it sounds sick because i did games design and development at university so i make oh, games cool. as well and awesome. one of my main focuses was on environment design and you know actually creating game levels and for my dissertation at university i wanted to look into i was so fed up of playing games that would you know give you a mini map, give you the big GTA arrow telling you exactly where to go, exactly what mm -hmm. to do. And I was so fed up of it. I was like, you're literally not providing me with any sort of experience. I feel like a bit of a robot, you know, because I'm just doing mm -hmm. what I'm being told. Takes you out of the experience. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. And so for, for my um, dissertation, I chose to kind of experiment. I got an eye tracker. I created some game levels and things like that and I wanted to kind of test whether I could encourage and lead the players to go in the direction that I want them to with no dialogue no mini map no arrows nothing like that so it was I and it worked you know I mean I was able to, to use things like lighting and color so like if you went down one hallway you would see loads of like yellow plant pots yellow chairs and then at the end of the thing you presented with like a red door or a yellow door and people ended up going through the yellow door. So it's it's really interesting to me that, you know, you can actually tell a story without explicitly telling a story, especially in games. And I think 
That is exactly why I think I would love to play the game that you, you guys are just talking about. Love it. You will yeah, love you it because Absolutely. it doesn't it doesn't tell you like what buttons to press unless you're unless you're lingering on them for a long time, then it will be like, oh, have you tried pressing mm. this? <laughs> um, so but it doesn't like straight up tell you like this is what you yeah. press. You're just kind of like, is a jump? Exactly. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. So yeah, it's hardly on like your thing the buttons you're used to because i yeah. kind of got into it but then there's certain like combinations that you can um do and then mm -hmm. it, it does help you but i think by doing that it puts you in it so i'm just like oh yeah. i'm i'm in it so where what do we do where we go and where, what's happening here no dialogue in this game like there is like um what are they called like when they make sounds but there's this <sighs> Sound effects. Sound effects. <laughs> no, no, no. Like when a character says, yes, a specific word for yeah, it. Yeah, so when uh, a character says called, a sound, like, like makes a yeah, like the like Sims a, and Animal Crossing type. Yeah, like, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. So it'll be like you know they'll say like oh or whatever, and um, but there's no like actual like sentences involved in this game. Uh, I, um, it's mostly silent, and it's just the atmospheric music and sounds. Oh my god, it's a horror game, right? Like, yes. Is it, so, mm -hmm. I, so I remember saying, like, I remember, I've literally just said that I played it at, at iSeries one time and I remember they, they employed like some act, like actor or actress to like, because am I right in saying like the person wears like a, a raincoat or something like that? Yeah. Right. Just like so, a yellow so like rain some, like, like Like something out of like the film It or something, right? Like yes. with some rain mask. Okay, yeah, I remember walking around and I would, I, I went to play it, yeah, but it took me about the whole three days to build up the confidence to go to this mm -hmm. booth. Because mm -hmm. I was like, I thought like if I go in there, I'm not going to come back out. Like, so. <laughs> oh, speaking of horror games, did you guys, have you guys played Phasmophobia? Not yet. I've no, watched wow. a lot Someone of it. Someone was telling oh, me about this the other day. goodness. You have to play it. John was absolutely terrified. <laughs> he <laughs> refuses so, oh, to yeah, play business. it anymore. It's <laughs> all oh, like a business. <laughs> uh, I mean, listen, the game is, uh, it's... It's not as good as as I thought it would be. It does it did it scare me at points or, or a lot of the time? Yeah, I would, I would, I would say yeah. <laughs> like there are many there are many clips you can find on social media of me. Yeah, using I was going to say is there, is some, there receipts? Uh, I'll, so. have to, I'll have to I'll have to find it after. You'll just edit like a load of screaming of me into this video or something like that or to this recording. Sorry, but I feel like there was a lot there was a lot of things in the game that you could have done better. Uh, one thing that I was a, a bit disappointed with was the the lack of like the the, in, the interior and, and the aesthetics of the game every single gate every single house that you went into would look exactly the same it would look identical there would be like sort of a base of three different types of house and every single thing would be the same all the time so it's like it, it got a little bit repetitive for me that's why i feel like i didn't play it as much okay if that's it if that's your reasoning for it john i will create you a mod for the game and let's see if you <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I've been I've just been checkmated, haven't I? Yeah, I know. Been... <laughs> I'm like, all right, well, a... I guess I gotta do it now, right? Like... <laughs> that was a proper checkmate there. <laughs> okay. Well should we go from talking about games to uh talking about more games? Yeah, let's talk about more games. Um so those are all the games that we have been enjoying, or if you're John scared by, <laughs> let's get into the new segment of this episode. And as we do with the round table, we gather up a bunch of news stories and uh, discuss them. So because we've got E3 coming a mere days away, there's no bigger story than E3. However, <laughs> I'm actually going to start with a question and ask uh, our panel, is E3 even necessary today? Uh... So I was um, 
it's just looking around, just uh, hearing people talk about it, hearing the coverage. Obviously, E3 is going to look different this year than it has in previous years. When it's been, I think why people would consider like a, a vital kind of industry, uh, almost like tentpole event, and has always been held in the Los Angeles Convention Center. Well, not always, actually. There are a few times it moves, I think, to Georgia. Um, but for the most part, uh, Los Angeles. And um, came off the back of events like the Consumer Electronics Show. But around 1995, when you had Sony entering the market alongside Nintendo and then uh, Sega with consoles, made its own thing. So now we have this event where it wasn't open to the public. Uh, it was just trade only. People could uh, see if you were part of the industry or the media. They then opened it up. But my question is kind of, yeah, do we do we need this? Because we're now in a time, obviously we didn't have the 2020 edition. We've also got the Summer Game Fest and we've got companies that are releasing their own live streams without uh, any of the E3 rules or structure. We've seen Sony pull out of E3. We've seen Nintendo kind of not quite pull out, but do its own Nintendo Direct and not do the big convention. So my question, and I think I heard John with some kind of sigh there. So I'll start with John. Is E3 still relevant in 2020, 2021 even? It's a great question. And, I, and I'm really glad that I get to sort of discuss this with other people within our industry as well. Um, me personally, and, and I don't know if it's just because of my roots within gaming as a host and going to, you know, loads of events around the world, there, there is no better feel then go into a gaming convention with your friends, meeting brand new people that are just experiencing the same fun and, you know, vibrant atmosphere that you were doing at that event and just being super passionate about the games that are there. Listen, there is, I, I find myself at times going onto the internet, the likes of YouTube, etc., and watching fans' reactions at these conventions. There's one video of a, a bunch of people reacting to the uh, announcement of Star Wars, The Rise of Skywalker, right? Which was obviously mm. the, the latest Star Wars movie. Um, and the whole crowd, it gives me goosebumps to watch it, you know? And I wasn't even there physically. Hearing hearing the crowd's reactions to these things, I, I think although with how, you know, sort of, I, I think modernized is the, is the right word for it, how, how we're trying to modernize all these companies to, to deal with the whole coronavirus and the pandemic impact, so to try and do everything online, I understand why people would be like, okay, why are we going to pump so much money into these big conventions when we can reveal it all online digitally anyway? Because that's literally what they do. They, they literally yeah. go there. These millions of people go there to just watch a video on a screen. You know, that's that's literally what happens. And, and if you're lucky, there's the whole, you know, booth experience where you can play some of these games hands-on first. I think that's the only that's the only thing that these people would, you know, debate as to why e3 should keep going because you can play like you know you get to watch things and i know sometimes it's exclusive like content creator access and stuff for these games but for me personally i i think it's definitely still relevant i watch e3 every single year um i know companies in the past have obviously pulled out of it i, I think you mentioned sony pulled out of it as well uh, i think at one point and i know yeah not if permanently well not permanently but they've they've not returned since pulling out yeah 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 um, and I and I know that you've got um, the likes of Nintendo doing their their Nintendo Direct streams and stuff. Um, and it, it it's a hard one, you know, because a part of me, the little kid inside of me, I like I want to really get excited by watching these live reveals in person and hearing all these at the atmosphere from the crowd. But you know the 
the the adult side of me where I can understand it from a business point of view in terms of you know financial gain and profit loss and stuff. I can understand why these companies would be pulling out of this because they can they could just run it online and still make just as much profit, if not more. Same effect, yeah. So, well, I mean, Red, you're the geographically the closest to E3. I don't know if that gives you any kind of special insight. Uh -huh. but what, what do you think? Do we still need this uh, central gathering industry event? I think it's still needed. Um, like, uh, this will be my 10th E3. And uh, going actually to, ten, okay. you know, to E3. Uh, E3 is way more than just watching trailers and announcements. Like, it's a full-on event i think a lot of times a misconception of that is because from afar people just get to see the people announcing everything but it's a full-on event like the atmosphere of e3 is like no other it's it's the mecca like it's the super bowl of gaming and um the reason why these companies have been pulling out so much is due to the toxicity of gaming journalism like period like i'm a gaming journalist but what my peers and colleagues like what i've seen happen as far as gaming journalism and also the accountability also of these these companies and their pr teams and what they allow and what they want and it goes on to the purpose of we can't even do our jobs properly if we're not a part of the ign's and the game spots and kotaku's and all these big names you know if you just either a certain tear or indie outlet, you can't properly a lot of times do your job to break stories. You know, some people who have broken stories have gotten blackballed over certain stuff. So it's like the PR companies have created monsters in the industry. And due to that, a lot of companies started to want to go ahead and do their own thing on the side. And I got to see that firsthand at an EA event. It was EA's last E3 event, a part of E3, like a part of E3 before they did EA Play. And I was there. And even like sometimes being in the audience at these different um, showcases, I went and see excitement. And I'm like, before I was a journalist, I was a gamer. You know, I'm a gamer mm -hmm. before being a journalist, being before anything industry wise. And every year I'm so antsy and I can't wait. And I'm just excited. Like I get chills every time I land in LA <laughs> and I'm here to meet up with friends or people I don't get to see because they either clear across the water somewhere or a state. And I just get to see everybody all over again. And at this EA event, you have all these journalists there and then they're not even in awe of anything or they're not clapping or they're not excited. And it's like, so why right. are you here? jaded like it yeah like if you're jaded you need to leave like that's <laughs> i've been saying that for a long time and certain people have actually fess up to being jaded and i'm like if you're jaded or this wasn't your career path you just wanted to be a journalist but just gaming came and it fell in your lap to be a gaming journalist because that was the only opening up for it when you came out of college or something and if you have no passion for it then you don't need to be involved because you're creating this you're creating this behavior that's not good for the community and it's not good for someone that's supposed to trust you with information to then disseminate back to them. So at this EA event, nobody was excited. It wasn't any applause. I'm excited. Um, <laughs> some of the people I'm around is excited. If anybody know of Hip Hop Gamer, that's my boyfriend. He 
he's infectious with his excitement. Like his energy is crazy. But um, you know, we was like, oh my gosh, and we we was just excited. We was like in the front, but we the only table. Like excited. <laughs> like why everybody else is not clapping? So it was so Everyone bad until. <laughs> I wish I'm looking at them. Well, you should. Why are you here? <laughs> like, you know, somebody. It was so bad that EA had to pull fans from off the street to invite them into their venue, so the people who they need to, who they're actually selling this to, can get a chance and experience and be excited. So that's why these companies started to go off and do their own things and do more fan-based type of events like EA Play and then Ubisoft broke away and did their own thing. Microsoft, last E3, of course, since they took over uh, one, of, I forgot, it used to oh, be Bethesda. called the Novu or Nobu. Oh. And even Bethesda, Bethesda, their events is fire <laughs> um, that's outside. But this is why people started to do fan type of events or if it's catered towards media to kind of make it non-traditional and more hands-on and atmospheric with something because it starts to get... Gaming is not supposed to feel boring if you're around gaming. Like it's supposed to be hype and infectious. And that's why these companies started to do their own thing. So like last year, I was upset that the ESA didn't do nothing at all. Yeah, because they pulled out or well, they canceled the event and then just left the space open for the Summer Games Fest pretty much. Exactly. So you left it for Jeff Keighley to take yeah. over. <laughs> And, and do his own thing and, and and take over and do their own thing. And it's like, why didn't y'all say, you know what, let's put something in hand to, to kind of make sure that this can stay afloat? Because, okay, once, like with some, I forgot one of y'all said earlier, it's like, if these companies get a hold to think like, well, I can do this myself digitally. I have to spend this money to have y'all as a partner to then give viewership. I can do this on my own. And a lot of companies started to figure it out, especially Nintendo. Yeah, Nintendo figured it out early. Yeah, they figured it out early. They started doing their directs. They didn't want to do a conference anymore. They'd rather put that money into the show, the space on the show floor and still have fans come in. Sony and Microsoft pulled out off of the floor and did their own thing. Um, like Microsoft had their own theater anyway in LA. So they had it posted up there instead of inside the LA Convention Center. So these companies started to know if I could do this on my own and have more impact to the people that's actually going to purchase the game, why not? But I still believe E3 should happen. The last time they made it uh, like a fan type of event is just make sure you cater to each type of person that's coming in, cater to media to make sure they're able to do their job, cater to the fans to make sure they're able to play the, the game and not sit there for three and four hours to play try and play one game and cater to other you know industry personnel that want to be a part of everything so i think it's still needed um just like how gamescom is you know i always wanted to go to gamescom because i i heard they mm. do a really great job with that yeah gamescom uh, but i think it's to, still needed very briefly mm -hmm. but i've been been to uh that's that's a that's a whole nother level of, of massiveness <laughs> but, um i heard it's crazy but yeah Jasmine, have you have you been to E3 or what do you think about um, E3, especially now that we've got E3 now doing their digital thing alongside the Summer Game Fest? Is there one over the other you think will kind of win out, so to speak? 
I wish I'd been to an E3. Um, Me too. <laughs> I mean, I think I feel like, uh, like you guys had mentioned earlier, that there is a sense of like toxicity surrounding E3. Don't get me wrong, like as fans, you're excited and you're looking forward to, you know, seeing the latest game releases, seeing those those like teasers and trailers and things like that. But like, I don't know. I don't know if you guys heard about... Um, the company that made a uh, cyberpunk cd project oh yeah cd project right yeah. so i think when you have events like e3 and like because i've done the whole vfx 3d game dev side of things i know how tough the crunch hits you right and it, everyone will say it's unhealthy it's not nice it's not it shouldn't be normalized in mm. our industries and things like that but the reality of it is when you have events like e3 of course for the fans it's amazing don't get me wrong like as a gamer myself i am always hyped always looking forward to seeing the latest but in the back of my mind i'm thinking i know that all the people that are working tirelessly to get out an amazing trailer they are all facing a crunch right now and the worst part of it is when companies like cd project you know those employees their bonuses are based on reviews so if the metacritic right. scores are like not good those people don't get a bonus and i think especially when like you've mentioned you know you have the journalists that aren't even passionate or interested about the games industry you know there are thousands and you know loads of people out there that would love to be able to do the job exactly. that they do and report on these games and actually have a passion and interest in these games and in our industry so i think it's a real shame especially when you know that people's bonuses and their job is literally relying on these metacritic scores which is so upsetting because once a game gets a bad rep i feel like it's really difficult for the devs and the company as a whole to kind of bounce back and kind of save that game so i think it's a bit of like a 50 50 from a fan's point of view yeah it's great everybody loves it but i think to have one event to showcase everything i don't really think it's necessary i think it's it's useful in the sense of let's say i'm like a diehard like square enix fan which i am love square enix games they're amazing but if I'm like a diehard fan and I don't really pay attention to many other games, E3 and events like that are a great opportunity for me to kind of diversify the types of games, the developers, you know, the industry, like what it has to offer as a whole, right? Just raise your awareness of what's going on, what else is going yeah, on. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So I think it's useful in that sense. But in the back of my mind, I'm always thinking, you poor devs, I feel so bad for you because all they're going to get at the end of the day is, and it's not just journalists, fans as well. If they are not a big fan of, you know, the trailer that you've put out or they think one little thing is wrong with that trailer or it wasn't long enough, you know, they get heaps of hate online. So I think it's a bit of, it's it's like a 50-50 because the gamer within me is like, yes, we want teasers, we want trailers. I want to be able to, you know, learn about new games, discover new games and have those new experiences with my friends. But at the same time, I think, it would be possible for, you know, like the events, the game devs companies to do it themselves, you know? Oh, yeah. No, it's definitely, definitely possible. And I guess we're we're going to we're going to see it <laughs> regardless. I think we're going to see it continue. So if people figure out how to do it, and they're going to continue doing it as, as long as it works for them. I think there's still a place for E3, but I think it needs to go back to its roots rather than what it is now. I think there needs to be separate consumer events to to like industry events. Because Perhaps. the 
or like there needs to be because like I, games get overhyped like i i i get excited for e3 but i know so much of it is just games being overhyped like it's yeah. like here is a trailer of a game that is like in the beginning of development yeah and here's keanu reeves i'm not even <laughs> in development yeah I'm not even <laughs> in development. and i'm like i can't get excited about a game that i don't know when it's like out if it's three years from out like that's not that's not that interesting to me but again like i do like the hype but i always like i'm like but this is it's great when it's about for um when games like coming out in the in the last quarter get hyped because you know they're coming out that's great it's yeah, a great opportunity for e3 year. yeah and there's always going to be games coming out in that final quarter because it's before christmas it's always it's like since the beginning of gaming uh it's always been an important time so that's great but i think that i think there needs to just be like better communication and like more of a thing like e3 should be about what companies are working on and not about hyping up fans i think that that has skewed the like you said sort of the messaging and kind of the expectation sort of out of mm. proportion especially for because i mean like i've been touched on it where you've got developers you know focused on the trailer and I think there was a story with Cyberpunk where the trailer they showed at a past E3 was kind of, was it? There was no game. It was just the trailer. It was just a trailer, yeah. Yeah. So you put in all this effort to hype a game and you're not even making the game. You're making the trailer so you can hype the people. It's, I think when, you're, when you get to that point, it's like, okay, something's not quite right here. And mm. um, we kind of spoke about this on a past Gamepad Online uh, panel. We're talking about sort of the like media and fan expectations and you kind of it's a weird one where you have a strange relationship because people are have expectations so e3's got to the point where people want to see you know the next best thing even though i'm sure everyone maybe not as bad as john but i've got a list of games that they haven't quite got to but i still want to see like the next what the next one is um so then like people cater to that i think that's kind of gone out of whack a little bit i think for me the the one thing I, I always feel about E3 is it's it's the one event that kind of breaks beyond the games industry and into the mainstream. Mm-hmm. And it's the one that I see on uh, here in the uh, UK, like BBC, um, whether they'll, they'll talk about, oh, this this E3 thing and this video games and da-da-da-da. And if we, this goes to a larger point about just broadening the industry, if we want to do that, we need it to reach beyond people who are, who aren't already kind of consuming this day to day, and although I I liked some of what I saw at the Summer Games Fest, I didn't see all of it. I, I missed a lot uh, of it. It was kind of a pandemic going on, but um, um, I'll probably miss a lot of it this year, to be fair. But it it's what I saw was good, but it had a feeling of me of like gamers talking to gamers, which is not yeah. bad in itself. But I wonder, like, if I go to a uh, I'd always kind of link it back to like when I do workshops with kids because it's like the average kid who's playing games, they've not heard about this and they're not. <laughs> this is not on their radar. But E3 is something that might break through. It might break through to someone who isn't consuming on a daily basis. So f- that's the value I see in E3. But I, yeah, I really like the points that you've been made. Especially, I didn't know about the developer thing and that tying that the Metacritic score to bonuses. That's. Uh, I think that's bad yeah. on the companies. I don't think they're challenged. Yeah, it's so antiquated. I don't think Metacritic should ever, like, to me, 
determine people's anything oh. uh, when Metacritic is so old and outdated. That's... Like that's worse than like retail uh, targets. <laughs> like that like, Yikes! Done. Yeah, yikes! I think the only time where it's probably like, like you mentioned, like. E3 ge- trying to generate that fan hype. Um, you mentioned, uh, Tazzy, that you didn't look forward to games when you're just like, okay, you're just telling me that you're making a game. How can I be hyped about this? I think the only time in which I actually get kind of hyped when I know that they're in the process of making a game is when it's like a sequel to something. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. so like when I heard about Kingdom Hearts 3, I was over the moon. I was so happy. So I think that's pretty much like the only case in which I'm like, oh my god, yes, another one. I get to play that whole experience all over again, but better. Yeah. I feel like I feel like that's because though, you have the you have like a touch of nostalgia, right? Because of how good the first one was. Like, yeah, yeah. Like, sort of echoing what what Jazz has said. Like, I, I feel like the only time I ever sort of you know get excited about a game, even though I've seen no gameplays or or teasers about it, is is the likes of an Assassin's Creed, for example, uh, which is my favorite game of all time I've, I've always played them and i remember there was one year i think it was 2017 i think they didn't make one uh, or 2018 and i was like oh cool like, now what do i do for a year that i don't have a game to play and then it was rumored that they were the reason why they delayed it is because they were working on something like far more advanced in the game and i was super excited as soon as that yeah part. i just i just hope i hope companies don't continue to do that i think you know you got to, as a company you've got to be very careful with I know the way our industry is inclined at the moment is to try and generate as much hype as possible, right? And, and get people talking about it. And sometimes it is a really good marketing, uh, marketing, sorry, rather tactic to keep things, you know, very under wraps and just post out, you know, uh, a gameplay poster or a poster of the, of, the, of the artwork and then just leave it at that until these whole events happen and you reveal the whole gameplay. But I feel like... Yeah, it, it's... It's it's weird um, because nowadays when when you hear about technology advancing so quick and it's like, wow, a developer can do this because of the resources they may have, especially I'm talking about like AAA big companies that have the budget and have the resources, like just even seeing uh, Unreal Engine 5 and Quixel and all these different things and you see the the metahumans or how you're able to make characters look like how you probably want to look like, you know, Um, and putting that in games. You're like, okay, can y'all not do a cyberpunk? See, the thing about cyberpunk was cyberpunk was announced way before its development. Yeah. It, that that's the problem like it didn't go into produ- into development production i think until like three or four years after it was initially announced I, that's why i was like i've been waiting for this game for seven years like it's been a long time since they actually went into production and nowadays since we know more people have knowledge about game development than ever before we're in the information age so now and then we get a chance to speak to developers like you're a developer, you know, so we get a chance to now either know developers, speak to them or speak to future developers. So we get a lot of insight on what it is and what it's not. And I just think that the marketing now has to upgrade and get in line with how development actually go. And that's why I said sometimes these PR companies 
sometimes do a lot of damage than good on the narrative that needs to be presented to the consumers and also the media. Yeah. For me, I think E3 should be more like something like CES. Well, that's what it's supposed to be, um, where you're telling yeah, them like, here is, here is the idea and this is where we are at the idea. Whereas at the moment it's hype, hype, hype but like no information yeah yeah i'd love to be like i'd love to know like oh you know we've got this idea this is what this is the project we want to work on this is the game we want to work on here's what we want to put in it but we're not at the stage of actually putting it in like this is what we want and be like more more like transparent about it and more like just like give us the facts (laughs) yeah so yeah that's more (laughs) you say that's more gdc right yeah, that's more GDC. Like GDC is able, like GDC is supposed to do that. And then the thing about E3, E3 is naturally, of course, for people to come, like the trade, people to come out like business to business. That's where it initially mm. was. People come out and this company wants to work with this company potentially and do this and that. And then the media is able to get the narrative of what the PR wants to do. And then we disseminate it to our audience on how we want to either hyper it up or be neutral or whatever the case may be. Mm. Everything is different now because we have the land of influencers and media personalities. It's totally different than before when it was just somebody that, okay, I'm behind IGN. No, now you have brands. You have actual people that you can say, this is that person and don't even have to name their outlet. So now, and then you have content creators. When I went to EA Play last E3, yeah, yeah, like, (laughs) I mean, that's everybody, you know, whether you're a journalist and, I mean, we all create content. It's so funny how the the word content creator just gets so crazy. (laughs) But um, like when I went to EA Play, the room for journalists was small as ever. It was so small. I've never experienced something like this. But the room for content creators was the size of an arena. Like really? it was the whole, it was it was the whole event for, and that was just for content creators and journalists couldn't even go in, and that's why I said that. I'm sorry, I'm just keep I keep it a hundred. PR have created monsters and the likes of you. You wanted the narrative to go one way, and you did it because you wanted to to do a whole bunch paying these different outlets with ad revenue and so forth or deals. And you want the narrative to go a certain way, but now you have content creators that are, are upfront live. And this is what I'm telling you. And I, and they're more, they're more personal. Like I can relate more to a content creator because they're, they playing the game. They're telling you like how it is. And they showing you when someone does a review on these huge outlets, we don't get to see their gameplay. We don't get to see how they play. How did they come up to that that overall conclusion of a review? And so it's like, and then you see some flaws in the reviews. I'm like, well, hold up. Then you start to learn a lot of journalists play on easy and don't even finish the entire game or even damn it to like 60 or 70%. So how did you come to that conclusion of the review? And you have a lot of people in in the community be like, Wait a minute, because now everyone is interconnected, no matter what. I can contact and be, you can be on IG and Twitter, IG, whatever, and say, hey, I don't think that that was, that review was up to par. Everything is now up, up close and personal. It's not like back mm-hmm. in the days when things was just closed off to just one type 
of content creator, and that's just the traditional journalist. Now you have things that's more up close and personal and people relate more to that. And that's why the ESA wanted to be like, you know what, let's open it up to the public. Let's get the content created. Now you could register as a content creator and an influencer. You don't have to just register as media. So now they want all those people in. I I have to like sort of I don't I think people forget that because for me I'm someone that don't doesn't finish a game. So I want a review of the first like 20 minutes. Because <laughs> that's what's like that's how far I'm probably gonna play into a game. But like <laughs> it's, it's still a, like a review is 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 still an opinion. And I think I think reviews are held to this like weight that's like unnatural. Like whether it's watching someone's gameplay or listening to a podcast or reading 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 uh like a a big journalist review like they're all still like nothing nothing we say is if if someone's to write a factual review you'd just be telling them what the game is right that wouldn't be a review that'd be like i mean a a review is a review is just a, a a review of course is an opinion but what is your ethos behind it it's like if if you're playing a certain game for let me just for example like Destiny, right? Destiny is a heavy game. So there's no way you could review Destiny in one day. You're not going to get the whole you can make your impressions on something, but there are certain people that want to digest a full in-depth review. There's certain people that might want to get the skim of it, the overall just. And that's fine. The problem is, is that it needs, we need transparency. Yeah, 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 exactly. Like transparency. It's transparency. I only play, you know, I only played an hour or two. This is what I got. There's nothing wrong with that. Just give transparency. Don't make something what it is and it's not. And I think all of that just created like, yeah, I want to go with the influencers and the content creators because yeah, they just made this look really whack. And this got the Metacritic score and like, you were saying like people's bonuses relate. Like I just think it's just there needs to be certain standards, and that's the reason why I was like, okay, with E three, at least there was some standard that we know this happened at this certain day, this certain time, all the time, and it gathers the whole industry together. I think everybody should still be included because we all are part of gaming. It shouldn't just yeah. be closed off to the media anymore because the media is not doing a proper job. Sorry, and I'm a and I'm a part of the media. Yeah. <laughs> like, no, so, I yeah. think there's going to be like one of the things about the pandemic is kind of it, it's forced like entire industries to sort of stop and look at other ways to to do things and kind of force a pause. And I I hope mm-hmm. I'm not sure about like the ESA, but I hope it's kind of forced people to step back and say how else can we do this and look at like the relationship between sort of game development fans uh, media. And kind of come back with a different way, a more transparent way, and set the expectations. I could just hear everyone uh, speak about is it. like it's clear that the yeah, the, just the expectations have kind of got out of out of sync with what's actually happening with the way games are made. But I mean, we have we have E three, so we do have it uh, coming up, and we have certain expectations or there are certain expectations placed on different companies so i wanted to just run through like the you know we've got the main ones and if anyone wants to kind of uh chip in with their thoughts uh, let us know but i wanted to highlight uh microsoft because we've got 
Well, I guess that's my kind of question I'll get to is like, do they have the most to prove? Because we saw last year, last summer, during the Summer Games Fest, they showed Halo Infinite. Uh, they showed gameplay from their, what, what, what was going to be the flagship system seller for their next-gen console, Xbox Series X. Came out, it was underwhelming, um, received <laughs> uh, less than favorable opinions, and then it got delayed. So the game was pushed back uh, a year. So I think it's safe to assume, well, they kind of have to show something now, what they've been working on. And then in that time, they've also acquired uh, Bethesda or Zenimax and uh, Bethesda uh, within that. So now we're going to see, or we'll, we think we might see things like uh, Starfield and whatever else uh, Bethesda has uh, in the works. So my, my question to anyone that wants to uh, take it is, out of the, if we say Sony, Microsoft, Nintendo, does Microsoft, does Microsoft have the most to prove at E3? Yes. <laughs> yes yes uh, just based off yeah just based off of everything you said you know always the theme of microsoft is like they'll show trailers but not gameplay mm. <laughs> like so and when they did it wasn't <laughs> that great and when they did it was like bruh i know y'all are lying <laughs> no like halo cannot look like this please do not let halo look like this so, yeah, they have a lot to prove. The one thing I would say that Microsoft is doing a great job is they are being vocal to let us know at least what they're doing, regardless if we are like it or not. <laughs> like, um, at least they are having some form of communication compared to, like, Sony right now. It's like, yes, yeah, they've been transparent. Like, both of them have been doing 180s, but, like, I'm just keeping it 100. <laughs> I like pick pick a struggle. Um, but Microsoft, I feel, has a lot to prove. And I go into E3 all the time feeling this way uh, every year. Like, please prove me. Please prove me wrong. Please prove me. <laughs> like, I just get it. They always go first. So I already expect what Sony's going to do. So I'm not even excited anymore. I know they, they're going to give me what I want. I know Nintendo's going to give me what I want. But Microsoft, like, yo, can we go? Can we get the 360 days back? Like, can we get some stuff? to be excited for yeah. um and uh with halo like it's been talks that the visuals on this halo is not going to be what we think it's supposed to be and i'm like but y'all just said y'all got the most powerful system so how do you <laughs> prove that so like um and halo they were speaking about doing battle royale and i'm like everybody's doing that so, like with halo and the thing it's weird because for me like i'm I'm not necessarily like it has to be the absolute best looking uh, game, but just the way I think you mentioned it, like the way they were saying that this is going to be the, you know, this is Halo, this is going to sell the next console. So like to to say that and then to show that 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 didn't match up. Even I was watching, I was like, no, I mean, it looks fine, it looks it looks good, but the, the, you know, the thing look. is, is that the marketing is not being done. Everyone in their 30s is going to be excited. 30s and plus is going to be excited for a Halo. We grew up with it. What about Generation Z? Why are they why are they supposed to be excited about Halo? That's that's not that's not translated at all. Mm. Like for them to be excited, you think by adding Battle Royale that's going to excite Gen Z? No. Um, I don't know, John, Jasmine, aren't you like are you guys Gen Z? Um. <laughs> yeah, we are. Right? I, mean, I, don't I, mean, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know, I don't know when does Gen, when when does Gen Z start? Yeah. I think Gen Z starts what at. 
don't know. I just Googled it. Gen Z is 2000s. Oh, hell no. I'm a a 95 baby, so. I'm like, I'm a Gen Z is 2000. I learned something. I thought it was I thought Gen Z was a little, I don't know, because it's it's the marketing companies that came up with all this Gen yeah, X, no, Y, right. Z stuff. So <laughs> they, they don't, there's not actually like accurate Gen X. Yeah, like it's, it's not an accurate thing. Yeah. yeah. So I would say people that's in their early 20s, like I would say like that's the adult to me, like the, the 20s, but like the kids moving into people even in their 20s, why would they be excited for Halo? Like, what would make someone be excited for him? You need something visually to show. I was excited at the grapple, so they had me there. <laughs> I think if you played Halo on Xbox, like, so I played Halo on, like, the old, 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 old Xbox. So that, yeah, like, old. To, to anybody that's, like, Gen Z, I guess, we used to have, like, a huge brick back in the day. It was literally a box. And the like, brick had yeah. a brick. It was a box and a brick. To it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you could build your house with it. So yeah, I think that's like, I would look forward to Halo simply because again, there's that sense of nostalgia. I feel so old when I say this now. I'm like, back in my day. But yeah, no, like, but see, it, that, that's what I'm talking about. We would be the ones be like, we're excited to see yeah. a new, what, what they're going to do next. But what about the people that's a little young, that's younger than us? What is going to make them excited? But y'all claim y'all got the powerful console. Yo, I want to see what's so powerful about it. Then you have people that are are already, like, they know about PC gaming. They see what PC can do. So they see what graphics and frames and everything can do. All right, what can this Xbox Series S or X, specifically X, can do for this next generation? It's like, how can I feel like this is next gen? We've mm-hmm. seen that with PlayStation already. You know, I'm like, what? I want to chime in because you're saying like what gets Gen Z excited. But <laughs> when it comes to like Gen Z will get excited over real things. Can it be memed? That's, <laughs> that is literally like it. That, that's where it begins, starts, begins and ends is like, can it be memed? But what really is the, the biggest market for games is actually older it's not it's not gen z it's actually older it's people who grew up grew up with games and have money yeah so when you when you want to you want to get the new generation into gaming you actually have to market to their parents (laughs) because they're the ones that are going to buy stuff which is what is what microsoft are doing like game pass is they're gonna buy themselves they're not even gonna buy for their kids that's the thing. <laughs> is is heaven for a parent. Yeah, but you gotta think about um parents that aren't gamers. Cause there's there's an awful lot of those as well. Yeah, but like saying saying that though, like there's a lot of I, I don't know, like especially more so in these days, I would say as as a kid and like as a as a younger if we're talking this whole like Gen Z mm. topic, yeah. right? I, as a kid, it's a lot easier to come by money and have your own sense of finance nowadays than it was back when i was like back in the yeah. six or seven years old yeah right? but still not enough to buy a gaming pc yeah of course there is <laughs> <laughs> like, like you, maybe a few of them but like the vast majority you'll, you'll, you'll of people be surprised. like kids are smart kids are smart okay like, you'll i know be, I know, you'll be surprised the amount of kids right there's still a finite there. amount of them like you've got to remember that the vast and more majority of people are living in poverty like you have to remember that there's how much low income there is but even in the hood, it's okay, I'm from the hood. So even in the hood, you have kids. 
that are smart and can, let's say they want to yeah. save, they want to save up their allowance to get not a PC because of course the, the, the thing that's going to get them in gaming in the first step is either going to be a hell handheld, which is going to be a switch or mm-hmm. a console. Most of exactly, us grew yeah. up first with consoles. So like you said, of course, um, see, this is, this is a, the catch 22 of it. The average gamer is 35 years old. So the average game is 35 years old. We're the one, shoot, we're purchasing more of the kid stuff than the kids <laughs> want it. True, like, true, 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 true. We want the Pokemons. We want yep. the, like, we want the, the Legos, Pokemon. we want the Pokemon. We want the Legos. These kids don't want that. I'm like, well, damn, y'all don't want the kids. Y'all don't want these toys anymore. Like, these kids are on a whole different level. Mm. And that's why I'm saying, like, what is going to make, they, they want to play Fortnite. They want to play stuff that's exciting like that, but you could Minecraft and you know, whatever, like you said, the meme, which is gonna what's gonna be the what's next thing that's gonna meme? end up on on TikTok that's gonna get them excited. Halo, I don't think is going on TikTok to get anybody excited in that in that age crowd. But that's what I'm saying where the messaging going, because you can make anybody buy anything. That's the rule of marketing. So it's like, how do you get certain gamers? And different demographics of age to be excited for stuff. And with Microsoft, I feel they have a lot to prove on our, of course, our generation, you know, of things. But even with both of them, what I was looking forward to, which is current gen, is the means of content creation on the platform. So PlayStation, of course, have content creation means by I can just easily set that I can go live. I have my PlayStation camera. You know, you could go live on YouTube or Twitch. Xbox, they don't have um, Mixer anymore, which I don't know why they got rid of Mixer. Mixer was so dope, but you was able to go straight to Mixer. Now you got to go through several other, it's not easy. The UI is not easy to go straight to Twitch and and go live. You got to go through some extra steps and that's the number one no-no. Mixer got, I, I could have sworn Mixer got brought by Facebook. Oh, they had like a deal. They yeah, had a it's deal. not mixed anymore. It's just Facebook, you know, this is Facebook gaming and they did whatever deal. But a lot of those content creators didn't go along with that deal. They had to start all over again. So that's that's the thing. Like the content creation, kids are now involved in content creation. They're making TikToks and stuff. They're making their little... Uh, montages with with Fortnite, like what we used to do with call of duty getting nukes <laughs> all the time like it's just a different thing but now it's more in content creation i think both of the companies just need to move towards that too but with microsoft i just need to see some gameplay a hellblade too i need halo oh, oh yeah oh, oh, yeah hellblade was fire i'm um so like for me i i don't have expectations i don't give anyone or anything expectations like like I've, I've already said my opinion on a3 i think it's a lot of overhype and not enough just straight up information she's done y'all she's done <laughs> <laughs> but what i want to see from like from xbox and bethesda specifically actually just just xbox just microsoft fable i want to see something more from fable <laughs> That too, Fable, Avowed, Grunk. We haven't seen, well, we've seen gameplay of Grunk, but we haven't seen more of that. And that's a black female protagonist actually mm-hmm. in that game. So I want to see more of it. We see a lot of Microsoft companies to bring out 
hit first party games, but not a lot of hit first party games as of yet. That I guess that will change with with Bethesda, just just yeah. by definition. But yeah, just I think Microsoft. I would agree that Microsoft do have, the, but they the have it separate though. Like it's they're they're together, but it's separate. Stu- like it's still its own studios doing their yes, own thing. Yeah, we have yet to see Microsoft, Microsoft Studios yeah. pull off a game of the year. Yeah, no, that's that's a fair point. I think they'll they'll obviously take credit for what Bethesda do from yeah. this point on because you know you spend a billion seven billion whatever then you can do that but yeah mm-hmm. I, I agree what can Microsoft do okay so that's Microsoft if we look over at Sony who aren't technically at E3 but uh, always release things around they have a state time. of play that's coming out they'll play yeah and we they're kind of I guess in the, in the lead if we're if we're you know counting the number of units sold although Microsoft never quite uh, up front with the numbers sold but uh, if we just take that coming from the next previous generation uh, they're in, uh, in the lead uh, as of in March they sold 7.8 million uh, consoles so yeah it's uh, apparently it's the biggest launch in US history which I didn't know even though when I keep hearing about people not being able to get one but they still managed to get the biggest launch so they're doing something right apparently um and then they've also said that they are releasing or looking to release more than 25 PlayStation 5 games under their new PlayStation Studios brand. And nearly half, in quotes, will be or will not be sequels or spin-offs. So with um, Sony, this news came off the back of, I don't know if anyone heard the story about the, I guess, unrest within Sony about the, um, oh, what yeah. was the zombie game i've completely forgotten days gone it's gone yes their sequel being uh cancelled and sort of the remaster of the last of us and just a general thing about the move or seeming move towards big blockbuster games rather than sort of smaller uh games so that kind of gave the impression of sony having a more conservative approach yeah i don't know what do you think about what sony have to show with the playstation 5 what is the expectation if uh if we're putting expectations on these companies for sony at e3 i mean with, with sony like all right like we always know they're going to give us the software and the games i think uh we, we just they're it's, good at it's that like they're, they're great they've been doing that since the beginning like we know they're going to give us content you know we know they're going to give us a diverse form of content even localization too since they are a Japanese company and just to get certain titles over to the um the western side I should say so I have no that's my expectation is like I can't wait for the new games I love seeing new IPs and that's the thing that they have a stronghold over they know how to generate experiences that don't really have to relay on multiplayer but I would love for them to have a multiplayer game or get some multiplayer uh, stuff in there instead of just always relying on single player experience. Uh, but they try to do exactly like what Microsoft did during the 360 days is like, okay, I'll get the third party, but I still know how to pay attention to my first party. I still know how to take a small studio and graduate them up into being a well-renowned studio globally. So th- like, I know they're going to bring it, the things that I want to see 
Me personally, is them updating this UI on this PS5. I don't like it. Um, yeah, I know a lot of people have been having trouble with that, right? Apparently, it's awful. I mean, I've not got my hands on a PS5 yet, but like, I know people that do. And they said yeah. that it's like, because I know one of the one of the biggest problems that I have on on like a PS4, right? Like, is the uh, the UI and the look of it, and, and the homes, the home screen, right, and the dash or dashboard, mm-hmm. whatever you want to call it. It's so hard to navigate and it's so laggy to navigate, especially if you're like me, who's got a lot of games downloaded and, you know, my... Yeah, if you got a lot of message, like a lot of messages actually messes up the RAM. The RAM on the PS4 was not good at all compared to uh, the one, the Xbox One. I mean, I know you said you were, I know you said a minute ago you were looking forward to Rift Apart, right? Ratchet and Clank. So oh yeah, like, I can't wait. Yeah, me too. I, I mean, especially like that—that's going to be out obviously on on Friday. the PS Five as well, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. And, and I'm I'm looking forward to seeing how well like the games like the game itself has actually developed to match up with these next gen consoles as well. I mean, a, another game I'm looking forward to seeing be run on that is the spin off or, or the sequel rather of of Hero Zero, uh, Horizon Zero Dawn, right? Which is Horizon yeah. Forbidden West. Like yes. That game, it, it looks, it looks so beautiful, right? If that makes sense, like the game, the game itself, like yeah. the 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 graphics and the development on it look really, really top tier in my opinion. And having you know the added benefit of now these next gen consoles such as the PS5 and obviously the the new Xbox as well, I feel like these these solo player games are going to only benefit from that being brought into the you know, and this kind of links back to the whole Gen Z conversation as well, right? Because these guys have got to try and appeal to the to the younger audience as well with these mm-hmm. newer games that are coming through on a console. So I'm looking forward to seeing how they perform on on the newer consoles in terms of the way they run, the way they look, and and the way they play. Yeah, I can't wait for the dual sense. Like the haptic stuff too. The uh, the new controller that is different. I so I got a PS5, so I used the, the new controller. Went back to because um, I've got an Xbox controller connected to my PC. Uh, yeah, no, that's that's not going to work. That's <laughs> that has changed. Like it's just it feels so basic. <laughs> so I can't even think of a different word. But that haptic feedback that they Sony have got in a new console, it you kind of. You feel it when you go back and you realize, oh, actually, this is a, a step above. So, yeah, really interested to see how game companies other than Sony use of this. That's going to be the thing is like the technology is there to be made use of, but are uh, other game studios going to make use of it? Or is it going to be like a Nintendo's uh, whatever peripheral that they bring out? And then you people know, there's, don't there's tons of studios already, um, already in line with it. It's like Sony made sure they made them. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like yeah, good, have good. to have it in certain games. Like it's on Call of Duty. Okay. Yeah, no, I put it in everywhere. Make use of it because that—that's uh, yeah, that definitely. So it doesn't end up experience. as a gimmick. Yeah, exactly. Because that kind of happened with like the Vita, right? Yeah, like it wasn't supported. Like, and the Vita, the Vita was just—it was a—it was before, it was ahead of its time. Yeah. Just like Dreamcast, it was ahead of its time, and um. The Vita was, it had the graphics, it had everything it needed, but it didn't have the support. And once it started, mm-hmm. like, not getting those numbers because the Nintendo 3DS was out and was, of course, going to get those numbers, Sony was like, eh, let's move on. Like, no. Let's it was so disappointing, right? Actually, I wanted to touch on something before we get to Nintendo. I was going to bring this up at the end, but uh, John mentioned Horizon Zero Dawn and that 
kind of made me think about this uh, related to related to Sony, uh, specific to Sony and their approach to marketing the PS5, but kind of takes to a wider point. And uh, as I was putting together the notes, I came across a news story in uh, the Metro, which is a uh, sort of UK uh, free paper that just goes in every train and uh, bus. Uh, it's every literally morning. everywhere. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like, yeah, it's, it's literally yeah. everywhere. <laughs> So I was on, I was just on a website and this was, I think this was a reader that has sent in some opinions and the headline is, uh, why God of War Ragnarok on PS4 made me sell my PS5. And, um, I'll link to this in the show notes, but it's basically someone saying that the yeah, announcement, that really that, OD. Yeah, <laughs> the, the announcement that God of War, uh, Ragnarok has been delayed, which I think, you know, we kind of expect, or at least I was expecting that to come but then alongside that was the announcement that it would also be available on ps4 and the the person's argument is that essentially what's the point in the ps5 if uh, in their opinion the games that are coming cross-gen and therefore won't take advantage of the ps5's full power then made them say what's the point i'm going to sell my ps5 so when i saw this i was kind of like uh, do you get over it it's not that it's big funny. a deal that's but funny because we could say that about both of them we can say that about the last generation as well. <laughs> and every generation before that. <laughs> like, it always starts out like that. Like, it's just it that always, this time, this at goes. least there's some title. Yeah, this, this, it always goes like that. It has to go like least. that as well. Otherwise, you're just going to leave a load of your, your players behind. And so, behind. I mean, from, from a business case, you've got like over 100 million PS4 users. It just doesn't make any business mm. sense to just cut those people off, especially like it doesn't make any sense just in usual times, but especially because of the sort of wider uh, sort of uh, semiconductor mm. shortage, causing shortages of console uh, production. It just makes even less sense. So that's like that is where I came at it. But then the one thing I will say about Sony and I just touched on it in that Xbox are doing the same thing, but Xbox were more transparent with it. And they said up front that I think there was a story about them saying there's not going to be any Xbox Series X only exclusive for at least a year after the console. And I think the, the mistake Sony have made because what they're doing makes business sense and just I think just practical sense but what they did is they had this um I think it was Jim Ryan had the the line that you know we've always said we believe in generations so he said you we believe that when you go or uh, go to the trouble of creating a next generation console that it should include features and benefits that the previous generation does not include so they kind of set this expectation that there would be first party big you know Sony have got their big narrative games that you could only deliver on ps5 only to eventually and it started with like uh, spider-man mars morales which was also on ps4 the horizon um, forbidden west also on ps4 gran turismo also on ps4 god of war ragnarok so then it kind of um, made me think of the wider point and yes this is something that is just always the case and i think it's going to be you know, we've we've seen the Unreal 5 engine that's only just going out to developers. So it's going to be like two, three years before people really get into it and we really see what these consoles can do. But I kind of cast my mind back to a podcast like year, maybe over a decade ago where uh, someone put up the idea of this like one console future where all the consoles would be just the same box. And I feel that with the success of the last generation, is that 
uh, and I'm kind of playing devil's advocate here, but is that going to hinder the progress of the current generation gaming to the point where yeah. it doesn't matter what box you've got? I think these companies are always going to have a say so on, I want to do this, or another company is going to say, I can do this better, so I'm going to make this. I mean, that's how Sony was, that's how PlayStation was even created. It was based off a Nintendo yeah, line yeah. to them. <laughs> yeah. so, um, so I think that's always going to be the case. The problem is, is just like you said, last generation was so successful. There's so many, like the install base of last gen is, of course, way higher than the current gen. I didn't, just like what y'all was saying, I don't know why every, I don't understand every generation, these, these people get amnesia. It's like, you're going to have, like, it's the first, it is just year, it is year one. You are going to have last gen and current gen games of the same title. Mm. You're going to do that because they do not want to just ostracize the it's like no gamer left behind like they don't want to do that like why if i know why I would you want to do that yeah, why, why would just you when you like, stop and think about it for any length of time it's like come on even as like a consumer and i want like the best i would i would hate to think that someone else could not also experience as much fun as me because i can get next gen and they can't like and then I do understand the one point of, okay, well, what's going to make me excited? They're, okay, placed, this is why I say with PlayStation 5, they, they was able to do it. With Xbox, they only had, and I'm talking about like a game that they kept hyping up, not like an indie game that didn't really get so much burn. But for example, the medium. So the medium was, you, you was only able to play it on a Series S and X. But they didn't come out, and I think in bright memory. But these are games that's not like the iconic games we know we're gonna that's gonna sell a console, like a Halo, a Gears, Forza, and they need some more icons. But like those are like the <laughs> those are the things that we we know is gonna sell it on PlayStation. They came out with Demon Souls uh, remake, not remaster, a remake of Demon Souls that's just on PS5. You only can experience on PS5. Then, of course, you have Returnal. You only can experience that on PS5. It's not on PS4. And we have Ratchet and Clank coming out. So this is in... The, people have to understand, this is still launch window. Launch window is not just the first week. It's the <laughs> yeah. first year. <laughs> the first year, yeah, yeah. Yeah, And this is launch window within a pandemic. Yeah. Within exactly. a pandemic with a, with a shortage of with technology. A shortage of a chip, yeah. yeah, you have a shortage of a chipset. You have scalpers. You have bots. Like, what do you want? You have like, more people buying games in general because they're yes. stuck at home. Like, come stuck on. Home. <laughs> Are y'all not like, using common sense? And can we also just take a, take a moment to appreciate that this person's like, it's making them sell their, their PS5, but GTA came out on Yo. 360 and PS3, it's still going. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> what, what y'all talking about? Why I can't this? But you still, but you just but you're still playing GTA. Yeah, yeah, but like GTA 4 did the That's same. A perfect though. example. Like GTA 4 did exactly the same as well. And I, I mean, it didn't. It didn't span this long. It's been on three generations, bruv. Yeah. I gotta say bruv now. Bruv, yeah. Three generations, <laughs> bruv. And they've like and they've made improvements to the games to the game as well for each generation. That that's that's a thing. And 
even even for games that are on both on two generations of console, whether we're talking about PlayStation or Xbox, they do make an improved version. And you can still enjoy that improved version. And it's fine. If that's not what you care about, that's fine. You don't have to buy next gen yet. Like, oh, that's fine. <laughs> perfect, perfect example, yo. Going going forward then, I mean, we literally just had this whole chat about, you know, games spanning throughout multiple generations of, of consoles, right? Like, I, I feel the only way that we're going to be able to, you know, allow people to feel like it's worth upgrading to these new consoles is if we don't allow these game developers to re-release these games on a new console just with the added benefit of mapping it to you know a higher fps rate or a higher graphics rate i feel like otherwise we're gonna have very we're gonna have a lot of similar circumstances like we do with like like what tazzy just said with gta right where it spans across well, like, i don't have a problem with that three but, I mean, no, but for me for me for me well, i like, mean they're like, making a remaster of the last of us like really like you don't yeah, need a remaster too soon. of the last of us like all you have to do is take the ps4 version and put it in a ps5 and do a patch and update it like that's it why are you making it's already a new beautiful skew? as well like yeah like you're really? trying to you perfect are... like perfection, right? No, no, the first right. Last of Us, you want to resell it? Like that makes no sense at all. You could just put a patch on a joint. Oh, wait, didn't, didn't didn't they originally think of doing that though? Right? Like I swear it was like when the PS3 first came out. Like that's how but they really have talking. remastered it. Yeah, they remastered it for yeah, the Yeah, they remastered it already. So why make another so freaking remaster? Yeah, yeah, true. Especially for a game that, like, like it ages well. I mean, I can still enjoy the PS3 version and not be taken out of the experience. Like, exactly. It, it has aged well, and it's too soon. And it's not like it's not like GTA, where you're just, like, creating, like, an updated version and adding one extra feature for a game that's just making constant money. Yeah, we get it. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> Well, when it's making that kind of money, that's what you need yeah, to do. Yeah, whatever you do. What oh, that's you why they're releasing it. That's like... why they're just doing what they want to do with it. Like they, yeah, they're like, I guarantee you, right? It would not surprise me, right? If the PS6 comes out, yeah, and, and we're like, still on GTA Five, oh, no. and they're like, they just, they just, they just literally just hit with a, like brand new update, <laughs> like, and it's like, what do you mean? It's exactly the same game. Like, there's literally no difference. I'll keep doing it as long as it keeps working for them. Yeah, they definitely. It's definitely a case of not not remastering games that don't need a remaster. Like, think about it, calculate it. Let's put that energy into like newer IPs or newer IPs or a next. <laughs> I, I, so I think we're gonna, and it's kind of the reason I wanted to bring this story up because I think we're gonna see some combination. Of, so some of this is just people just forgetting this is how the industry works and just it's common sense. But I also think we're gonna see the the stretching of generations just because of the success of the last one you'll see like these remastered uh remakes uh, of games kind of uh stretching over uh generations but yeah, then look at, look at mass effect like exactly so games yeah. like that they'll bring them back but i do think that we'll we will see eventually once we get you know i say we i'm not a developer once developers get their <laughs> hands on the next engine and you will start to see kind of the the games that can only be done on this hardware and yeah. just to this this point of this article which again i'll put in the show notes it's a weird perception thing for me and it kind of ties mm. into the what we were talking earlier about perceptions and expectations from sort of media and, and particularly in this case fans where horizon forbidden west comes out mm -hmm. and that looks amazing like so what if it's already on ps4 what what were you expecting more than what you saw 
Do you, do you get what I'm saying? Like it's like what how, and I feel the only disappointment is is the tag that also available on PS4. It's not what you're exactly. seeing. It's just that oh, this that is also on PS4. Yeah, mm-hmm. and just the the kind of thought pattern that goes like oh, if it's on PS4, then it, it must be uh, capped somehow like it can't be so the best the best games come at the end of a generation when Mm -hmm. developers have figured out out the best best way to use what's available so yeah i think there's got to be some kind of re-education re-education for people i think when you get a new console like when you boot it up it should give you like the history of video games (laughs) (laughs) you must click okay before you continue Y'all are tripping out here, these like, I'm like, yo, and I mean, I'm like, I can see the kids doing that, but I'm like, yo, aren't you like 35? You still don't understand how this go. But yeah, like, I forgot what I was going to say, but uh, I, I do agree that, uh, you know, once once the new engines come out, more developers are, are going to go that route for, for yeah. sure. And, um, this is what I was going to say. What what Sony, that's what I mean by the messaging, Sony has to do a better job marketing-wise, messaging-wise. Like, of course, we got to see Mark Sony, Mark Cerny explain things at GDC. Oh, and yep. But that stuff at Gen- GDC was not for the consumer air. Like, no. people look like the meme of the, the white woman with all the mathematical things going around. Oh, yeah. I'm like, what is he talking about? <laughs> Okay. So, like 3D um, audio, yeah, yeah. Yeah, like a lot of people didn't digest it unless they were really involved in that industry, of course, or know that that verbiage and, and things of that nature to know exactly what he was talking about. But what they need to put it to layman terms that the PS4 version of the game and the PS5 version of the game are two different games. Two different. Like it runs totally different. It's the same thing if somebody pops in Miles Morales on a PS4, and if you pop in Miles Morales on PS5, they look totally different, you know. But like every like all of us, because we don't have amnesia. I don't know who met the the men in black person with the little <laughs> little thing to psych your, your memory, yeah. but we know we've seen this over and over again. It's gonna be a no left behind gamer version. <laughs> And then if you want the next gen and experience what next gen can do, go and cop yourself a next gen console to experience those new updates of ray tracing, proper lighting. Like even Ghost of Tsushima, I don't know if y'all got a, got a chance to play mm. Ghost of Tsushima. Not yet. That's a PS4. T- what? That's know, a PS4. That's a PS4 title. I was at E3 when they showed Ghost of Tsushima. And when I looked at it, I was like, wow, this looks crazy. This is going to be on PS4. When it came out on PS4, I was like, wait a minute. They downgraded this from the E3 trailer? Like, I can tell it was downgraded. Then when I got a chance to play Ghost of Tsushima on a PS5, I was like, yo, there go the E3 version that I was able to see. Like, that's like that's how it looked. It, it, it was the same. Like, it looks totally different from PS4 to PS5. And this is a PS4 title made on ps4 it's the same thing with if you pop in god of war if you pop in got a days gone they did extra patch with the frames and everything the technology with the ps5 is night and day with the ps4's technology so it's like playstation is not giving them 
messaging. I, I don't work for Sony. I shouldn't be doing this. Like, <laughs> no, he's fixing it for them. <laughs> oh, it works. The hell am I getting the check? Sony needs to be doing this. Excuse me, Sony. Can we get a paycheck? Yeah. Right. Can I, I get a check? Like, <laughs> I need more black content creators and everything. Yeah. What's up? Um, but uh, but yeah, like they they have to fix the messaging because then everybody is able to create that message for them, and it could be negative than positive. Yeah. And this is where mm-hmm. it's like. You know, why should I buy a PS5? Communicate and get some content creators that you communicate it with so then they can communicate your message. And there you go. Yeah. Yes. Why are we doing their jobs? Come on. (laughs) (laughs) Seriously, we need to contact somewhere, someone at uh, at that place. Um, All right. So, before we wrap, I do want to touch on Nintendo and um, really. I mean, let's be honest, there's only really one question. Unless anyone's got something specific they want to shout out. But Nintendo Switch Pro, are we getting it? And do we actually need it? And what are Nintendo going to do with it? I mean, I I am a huge fan of the Switch. Um, Me too. And mm-hmm. I, think, I think a lot of people are. I think, you know, the Switch is sort of... Yeah, it's like everyone's really, second console. Yeah, it's really, it's, <laughs> it, it's really brought back the whole handheld sort of vibe to gaming. Uh, I sort of revitalized it a lot, um, especially just from like you know I see people I get on the I get on the bus and the train to work or whatever, and I see like forty fifty year old people that are on their way to work playing on the Switch. I, I whether it's that's amazing. Whether, whether it's like whether it's like playing like yeah. Pokemon or if it's like you've got like the brain training games type of thing on there as well. You know, like Love Nintendo brain training games. So I I I feel like. Nintendo only going to go from strength to strength with this pro console. I've actually not done too much research into the pro console. I'm not too sure on what to expect from it. Um, so I... I've got a few. No, so apparently, sure. and this is all rumored, because um, well, I think one of the rumors they were going to announce it before E3. I didn't think that made sense, but apparently they plan to begin assembly of the new Switch as soon as July and release the upgraded replacement for the console in September or October, likely priced at a higher uh, I think the figure I saw was three three fifty dollars. Yeah, roughly like a hundred dollars more, hundred and fifty dollars more. So we're looking at like sort of bigger screen. Uh, I don't know if they, if I've heard anything about the battery 4K life. Four K on the screen, I think. Yeah, when docked, four K, and I've seen yeah. some renders, but I don't think they were genuine, or at least not confirmed anyway. Ten eighty undocked, and of course inside is supposed to run fat like faster. If they do bring out a pro, they. I would be very upset if they brought out like pro exclusives. Ah. Mm. That would be that would be heartbreaking because I for me, like would, the Switch is perfect as it is. Like I wouldn't um. want a bigger I wouldn't want a pro switch if it's gonna be bigger. Like I'm not I mean, okay, not perfect. Joy Cons, battery life. Yeah. But, <laughs> <laughs> but drifting. Yeah. oh my god. Rose-scented glasses, perfect. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely size-wise, like, if it was any bigger, it'd be like, nope. And um, just in terms of, like, accessibility as well, if you then made games exclusive to the Pro, it would make... you'd be. I've heard so many people that the Switch Lite is more accessible for them. So then if you're going to make exclusives on a Pro, like, you're just... That's just rude. <laughs> yeah, I'm just thinking, opinion. do Nintendo... Do Nintendo do that? Because they... Are... They have with uh, some of the 3DS family that were... Oh, okay. 
certain games that could only be played on specific 3DS family consoles. I wonder. That's yeah. I wonder if um if they're gonna do that. Like, of course, you can still play your your previous uh Switch cartridges, but then we have the Switch Pro releases, and you only get on the Switch Pro. Yeah, that would yeah. be. Or I feel like I feel like they'll do something with the Nintendo Store, right? Like they've got like the Nintendo Store system. That's that's on where you can buy like whatever games. Very similar. To can we get N sixty four on here finally? Yes, please. I just want what I want from Nintendo is every Zelda game re- remade for the Switch. Mm. <laughs> See, I want every Metroid. I want Metroid Four. I want Prime Four. I want Metroid to finally come out. Tired yes. of this. I'm well, excited because it will be the for. first Metroid Metroid game I will have actually played, rather See, than just. See, that's got to put the collection on there too. Exactly, exactly, and I feel like that's what they need to do with all of their games. All of them, yeah, all of their games. Yep. Just the whole Nintendo library needs to be on the Switch because it's such a great console, and like I feel like it markets to like the nostalgia Listen, you know for that people. Price gonna go up. It's gonna probably go up to twenty five dollars a year, or thirty dollars yeah. a year. Boy. I also really want, I mean, I think it was too soon, but I really want a Ring Fit 2 or like an an, an X, yeah. Just updated, a updated sequel. version. Updated one? Yeah. A yeah. sequel Ring to Ring up. Fit would be great. It's Ring so good. Ring Fit was fire. I need to get back on Ring Fit. This uh, right. quarantine weight need to go. So I need, a, <laughs> I need to get back on Ring Fit for sure. Oh, but yeah, I think them even adding the... um. What was it? The Labo, even doing like extra oh. things with that. But uh, yeah, was I would love some, a new kid Icarus. Interesting, interesting. Yeah, I want kid Icarus, a new kid Icarus. Um, <gasps> Metroid. I want a new. Like, can we get an F Zero game? Uh, can we get a real Star Fox new game? Like, cause that last mm-hmm. one was just not hitting. Uh, and a new Mario Kart. Like, how many? Like Mario Kart yeah, about yeah. to be like Grand Theft Auto out here. Yeah. Can we get a new <laughs> Mario Kart? Stretch that yeah, all yeah, the way yeah. out. New <laughs> Mario Kart cross generation. With like a new <laughs> new mechanic in there, like something mm-hmm. something that I haven't thought about because Nintendo's good at that. <laughs> yeah. So I mean, Nintendo. They, as usual, they're kind of playing their own game. So I'm kind of just sitting back and just yeah. When you've got something new to say, mm-hmm. to show it. Oh, another yeah. thing I want to request from Nintendo is that we um we incorporate the touch screen when playing in handheld mode a bit more, please. Yeah. Why is it, why is it not a thing? Like on on. <laughs> I'm playing Animal Crossing and I'm like, why can I not touch the screen? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I think that especially like you was mentioned the accessibility for it to just get more inclusive with certain gamers mm-hmm. that don't have you know have limited abilities and stuff like mm-hmm. touchscreen would help a lot with certain yeah. stuff. We're not asking okay. much, Nintendo. Yeah, I know we don't we don't ask for yeah. much from this show. <laughs> but <I'll>, <laughs> once this goes out, we'll send this straight over to Nintendo, Sony, and Microsoft mm-hmm. so they Me can uh, mm-hmm. they know what to do. Yeah, take notes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Take notes and, you know, uh, make sure y'all acquire us as valued influencers and content creators. You know, hit us mm-hmm. up. We yeah, don't worry. We'll, 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 uh, we'll, tell, we'll tell you your game is great unless you, like, send us that. <laughs> send, you, send us that you send us that check, the game is great. If not, then we just, yeah. we just tell your game apart. Yeah. Right? That's we're like, we're, we're super transparent. <laughs> this, this is the deal. <laughs> you know what to do. So... <laughs> All right, so that's been our roundtable on E3 and uh, whether it should be a thing or not. There are companies that are going to be showing what they're going to be showing and some of our 
expectations. So as always, you can send us your feedback uh, on the roundtable, on the stories. Let us know what you think in the Discord or by email, feedback at mymatter.com. Before we end things here, let's check in with our guests and find out what they're up to and where we can find out more about their work. I would love to hear a bit more about everyone and what projects you've got going on and, and where everyone can find it. So we'll start with um, you, John. What, what have you got going on at the moment? I, I want to say not much because I've not officially got a lot going on just yet. Um, with, with esports, I feel like I spend 90% of my days negotiating stuff and trying to agree on stuff. But I hopefully have a lot lined up in the, uh, in the future. I, I currently am a, a contracted streamer to Facebook Gaming. That's why I kind of kept quiet on the Facebook Gaming conversation slightly <laughs> earlier. I was like, okay, don't say anything, that'll get you in trouble. So oh, I, stream, I stream full-time over on there, doing all sorts of stuff, really playing playing games, you know. Streaming is a nine-to-five job for me, so I'm blessed with the opportunity that I get to do that full-time, as well as being really heavily involved or starting to get heavily involved with the with the UK Valorant scene, as well as the Free Fire scene as well, which is like a really awesome mobile game uh, that you guys should check out if you guys are any mobile gamers watching. <laughs> that, yeah, so, you know, yeah, I've just, just been getting by in this crazy pandemic of a world, right? <laughs> you know, I thought that's what everyone's been doing with, with themselves, really. So, yeah, you know, no complaints from me. Yeah. Uh, and where can we find you? Uh, my socials are at John P Official on all social medias, Twitter and Instagram. My my Facebook URL is uh, fb.gg forward slash John P Caster. You can check out my live streams. Like I said, I stream every day of the week. And yeah, or you can just join my community Discord. We've got over a thousand members in, in, in my Discord server hanging out. So yeah, come and uh, join the fun. Awesome. Sounds like you've got a lot. A lot going on, even though you said not much at the beginning, but <laughs> not much, but everything. <laughs> and um, read in for me, what about you? Uh, yeah, as far as what I have going on, um, I do two series uh, on my YouTube channel. One of them is called Hidden Code. And what it does is expose and show Black, Hispanic, and Native game developers and innovators in the gaming space that they do exist and the projects that they have and pretty much just shed light and bring publicity to their works uh, and see and have like an inspirational conversation with them. And uh, the other one is uncovering Black women in esports. So it sheds light on a lot of Black women that are in esports, but you normally don't get to hear about them or see what they you know, are a part of. So another, you know, expose type of web series uh, show. Be back soon. Uh, but it, it, it revolves around just showcasing a lot of Black, Hispanic, and Native gamers, geek, you know, into the whole geekdom experience and the things we're into and the culture behind it uh, show, showcased on that outlet. Uh, I do also a podcast called Eat for Life uh, with my brothers over there, uh, Marcus Howard, Sebastian and Derek. Uh, and it revolves around esports and the business behind it and some entrepreneurial and uh, financial tips with it. Uh, and I'm going to be doing some awesome work with Generation Esports. I got a chance to speak at a high school, actually my mom's high school, what I didn't even get to know until the day before. I was like, wow, cool. this is full circle. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, um, spoke to uh, some children, some kids 
uh, on esports. They have their own esports club and just getting more uh, young black women involved with esports is a, a huge goal for me. So uh, that's what I've been involved in. And uh, I guess where you could check me at, everything is red infamy across the board. Even if you want to play some games, you know, like we said earlier, some Sea of Thieves. Um, <laughs> and, um, you know, if anybody have any questions, uh, my DMs are open. Don't be weird. But <laughs> my DMs are open. If people have questions or need help for certain stuff, I have an open door for that. So, um, so yeah. I definitely uh we'll have to check out some of those series and i've been looking for a new new podcast so i might add that to my podcast list <laughs> thank you thank you but all sounds like really great um great things you're doing there and really like you know getting getting the community out there jasmine what about you so what have i got coming up i've got uh, so tomorrow i've actually got twitch rivals coming up i'm gonna be casting uh the Minecraft showdown for Twitch rivals. Exciting times. Ooh. And then after that, I've got a Razor event that me and John are going to be casting together. Um, I think, John, I think it'll be announced by... It'll be announced, yeah. That's, about, why, right? that, that's why I said I've got stuff that I'm not sure if I can talk about because I, I, for a second I thought we were recording, like this was going out live as a live stream. <laughs> as we were putting this out at a later date. So that's why I didn't bring it up. So you was being very stingy just now. I was making sure that I weren't breaching any NDAs. I weren't going to have a legal team turn up at my house. You didn't want to do a Tom Holland. Yeah, yeah. I'm the worst of that stuff as well. I'm the worst of it, honestly. Sorry, I'll take the rap for it, John. But yeah, I got that stuff coming up. For people that don't, know me or what I kind of do how I kind of got into the industry um so I kind of started off like adminning um at esports events so basically the referees and stuff that you see on stage and I kind of kept working my way up I became like a tournament manager in esports and then I did like the biggest event yeah, I did like a CSGO major and after that I was kind of like I've worked on all these amazing games like Formula One, CSGO, like Rocket League, so many different games and I was just kind of like I want a new challenge so I was like you know what I'm gonna set out to do hosting, streaming and casting and yeah that's I'm, I'm here now and I'm doing Twitch Rivals and it all feels very 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 surreal because I did I just I don't know a part of me thought it was a bit of a, like a pipe dream but I think it just goes to show like our industry is so diverse. There's so many opportunities in our industry. So like if anybody wants any advice, any tips, any kind of pointers, do not hesitate to reach out and ask. Like I mentioned earlier, you know, I've done uh, VFX stuff. I did my uni degree in game dev. So I feel like literally any angle of the games industry that you're wanting to get into, um, don't hesitate to ask away. I think that's an important thing that people need to remember about our industry. Like we're mm -hmm. all part of this industry because we have a common love and passion for what it is that we do. And I think it's important that we're able to share that with each other and help our community and our industry thrive. So yeah, if uh, anybody has any questions or if you just want to check out my socials, it's veracity with two y's and an underscore and i promise you guys one day i will get veracity just veracity <laughs> with not an extra y and not the underscore fingers crossed you get get your username <laughs> one day
That's really Amazing cool. Amazing story. Yeah. Super, super cool. But believe in your dreams. Because mm-hmm. I'm really keen on getting, because <laughs> Tazzy and I were talking about like getting more young people casting opportunities at mm-hmm. our Gamepad Online event and how to, particularly like uh, just women, I think in sort of any position, getting more women to be aware that they can be part of video game industry and esports because I know that's, um, yeah, that can be quite hard to sort of crack and make more welcoming. Yeah, absolutely. I remember when I was in school, I always loved video games, you know. I had people at school kind of making fun of me for playing video games and having friends like all the way across the world kind of thing. But, you know, it's I'm like proud to say that my lifelong friends I have met through video games and, you know, those are people that I'm going to have in my life forever. So to me now it's kind of like I would love for the younger generations and you know their parents to kind of understand it's not just a you know your child is not wasting their time playing video games it's so much more than that mm-hmm. you're uh, preaching to the choir so yeah we'll, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we'll definitely <laughs> we'll, we'll talk about that so but yeah no thank you everyone for coming along chatting video games with us and uh yeah good to meet you all for the first time happy to meet you for having too. us Ooh. yeah i appreciate it it was fun it was uh it's insightful to listen to everyone else's sort of views mm-hmm. on on things. I ain't gonna lie to you. When you know talk about some stuff, I had no clue what half of the things you guys were talking about. I was like, okay, I, I was rapidly, I was rapidly googling things as we was in this. In that's this. good though. That's good. Yeah, that's, good. that's all we try and do. Just have these conversations. I mean, yeah, I yeah, feel I'm... like we and Nigel kind of. Uh, oh, I'm sorry to speak for you, Nigel, um, <laughs> but we do the podcast, so we like gain lots of information and knowledge, and we're like, oh, yeah. we know stuff. <laughs> the trick. That is the trick. Yeah, it's, just, it's good. You know, I was literally just... saying this to someone over the weekend. Like, I have a podcast, and the best thing is like getting people on, asking them questions, and then just listening to the answers, uh, and then go and regurgitate that to someone else. So I look good. <laughs> That's literally being a host and caster, by the way. That is literally our job. Oh, so you, I, all right, so you know the you yeah, know the trick yeah. as well. Yeah, that, well, that's how I that's how I am anyway. I've I've just blagged myself a career for the past five years. I'm not. <laughs> well, it sounds like you've uh, yeah you've done well with that. So yeah, thank you all for being on the show. Uh, if you enjoyed this episode of Story X Story, make sure that you subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss an episode, especially our future roundtable episodes. Uh, you can give us a quick rating and review on Apple Podcast too. This helps us reach new listeners and fans of story discussions. We've been talking mostly gaming uh, today, well, in fact, all gaming, but uh, we, My Matter, make manga, and you can check out our latest manga, Serious Through the Fog, which is coming in July, as well as our current stories at mymatter.com forward slash manga. And Gamepad Online is coming July 10th and is free and you can get your tickets at gamepad.events. Stay tuned for more podcast episodes, including creator interviews, video game discussions and deep dives into stories across pop culture. You can always give us a shout directly. Our email address is feedback at mymatter.com and our website with links to subscribe is mymatter.com forward slash story x story until next time stay tuned stay safe uh, and yeah go play some games um, people take care everyone